are important because they are meaningful and they are meaningful because they are memorable powerful and they personally connect us with each other in this podcast we take names faces hopes and dreams of people of all walks of life we are diverse with ages and races you will have the opportunity to hear these stories in their own words we believe your story and god's story will intersect with the stories of others god's story is revealed through scriptures Your story is revealed through experiences. Their story is revealed in life events. Our hope is that through this podcast, we will recognize that God uses every part of our stories, even the messy parts, to bring glory to himself, draw his children close, and call others into his family. This podcast is the perfect intersection between your story and God's story. We believe you will leave here inspired, encouraged, and challenge to share your story with the world. Welcome to the Scriptures and Stories podcast with your host, Rashawn Copeland. I grew up in a Christian home my entire life. I had an amazing mom, an amazing dad, uh, amazing sister, just kind of like what you, a lot of people want in life. I had everything that, uh, from a from a worldly standard, I lived in that middle class suburban home, and that was my life. Um, grew up in church, always around church, always was told to believe God, always had this idea of who Jesus Christ was. Uh, it was always around me as I was growing up and as I went through church and things like that. Um, but to me, it never really came into my heart. I was not necessarily uh, what you'd say a bad kid. I don't have um, one of those stories of someone who has gone some into something extremely deep into some sort of uh, very life-threatening addiction or something like that. But I think it's important to realize that that's not necessarily um, what you can have testimony because I think that for a lot of people, we can get caught up in just growing up in a Christian home and not really making our faith my our own. So grew up in a Christian home and I just kind of lived my life and I didn't live kind of um, ignorant of God. I was a Christian atheist, so you could say I, mean, I believed in God, but I didn't really act like I did. I did on the outside to honor and please my parents, but I didn't really care. I just wanted to try to get around the rules and live my life. And that was my life through my sophomore year of high school. Um, after my sophomore year of high school, uh, a friend of mine, about a week after uh, his graduation, he was a senior, I was a sophomore, he died in a car accident um, really tragically when he was just 18. Uh, he was headed to the same college that I actually attend right now. And that was the first moment in my life where I actually questioned the big questions in life. like does God exist? Do I believe that my friend is in heaven right now? Uh, Why would God allow something like this to happen if God exists? And I had all these questions and I didn't have any answers. Um, So that's kind of got me stuck, so to say. Uh, A few months later, my one of my dreams growing up is I always wanted to be a football player. 
that was my dream. I wanted to play college football. I grew up right next to Penn State University, and I dreamed of playing at Penn State and playing football. And in September of my junior year of high school, I was there, and we were on a visit, and I was at a university, and right in the middle of this first football visit I ever did, um, my dad got a call as we were going through the campus tour that a professor, or not a professor, a principal uh, has died. Uh, just suddenly of a heart attack out of nowhere someone that once again I didn't know super well but someone I knew and all these big questions of does God exist is heaven real things like that they all kind of came back to me and I had these questions again um, and I didn't know what to believe because I wondered was I just a Christian because I grew up in America would I be a Muslim if I grew up in Saudi Arabia or an atheist if I grew up in China and I had all these questions and I didn't know where to look so through my junior year I kind of wrestled with these questions but at the same time didn't know where to look my faith was shaky I wasn't saved at this point but I wanted to believe but I just couldn't find a reason to believe and that's not the fault it's just I didn't know where to look I did not know where to look for the answers so heading into my senior year of high school I went to a, a small private school and the important part of our school was doing these senior projects um so we did these senior projects and we can choose any topic we want and we'd have to read a bunch of books and interview a bunch of people and write some papers and do a big presentation so i had this big project and i just wanted to figure out what was true i remember going into that proposal um at the end of my junior year of high school and i'm like i just want to figure out what's true about the question of god if if i believe god wasn't real i said i'd be an atheist i said that if i believe that um, muhammad revealed the word of god i'd become a muslim if i believe that jesus christ was who he said he was in the bible i'd become a christian so heading into that project heading into the summer into my senior year i started to look into these questions uh, i read a book called i don't have enough faith to be an atheist by frank turek and norman geisler which kind of laid a cumulative case out for christianity why i believe in christianity and all of a sudden I was flooded with not just experiences for reasons to believe in God, but actual arguments, actual evidences, things like the universe beginning to exist, things like the fine tuning of the universe, things such as like the moral framework, which we all realize exists, things like that made me realize that there is a creator. We're not just alone here on this little planet. Um, so things like that happened and I believed I it made sense to me seeing the person of Jesus and who he was and what he said and what his believers believed made me realize that there's truth to the Christian message. Um, so because of that, I became a Christian. I committed my life to Christ in the summer of my senior year before my senior year. And I continued with my project. I talked with imams and rabbis and the confirmation of my beliefs were I talked to one of the most famous atheists in the world, kind of talking to him about my beliefs. And I found that his responses were inadequate. And because of that conversation, it finally confirmed in my heart that Jesus really was who he said he was when he says, I'm the way, the truth and the life. Uh, my name is Zach Seckler. I run an apologetics ministry called Adherent Apologetics, where we talk to leading thinkers about all aspects of Christianity. Uh, you can follow us on YouTube or the podcast at Adherent Apologetics and on Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, Twitter, all that fun stuff on Adherent Apologetics. Uh, I encourage all of you to start where you are and God will take you where you need to be. 
I love the fact that God met him and um, it was at a dark moment in his life. His good friend had died in a car accident and it was tragic, you know, and he started asking questions about his belief. And I I wonder, you know, how many of us are asking questions because we're going through suffering right now. Uh, And I know scripture, all throughout scripture, uh, God wants our test or the suffering to build our faith, not to break our faith. The faith of some is broken by tragedy instead of built by tragedy. I'm so thankful that God's grace had its way in Zach's life. So amid the suffering, those afflictions made his faith stronger rather than killed his faith. With that being said, let's transition over to the show today. We have our good friend, Sam Collier, in the building. You guys are going to want to stick around for this episode. Sam Collier is a good, good friend of mine, uh, and he's going to speak into how God takes our mess and turns it into a miracle. And the themes that we talk about in this episode really line up well with what I present in my book, Start Where You Are. If uh, many of you uh, haven't had the opportunity yet, you want to go and pre-order a copy of Start Where You Are, how God meets us in our mess, how he loves us through it and how he leads us out of it. And even more than that, I got my good buddy, Sam. He's releasing his book this week. Come on now. It's available this week called A Greater Story. And he's joining us this week with his phenomenal story that you want to listen into. God has done amazing things in his life. And if you're trying to discover your purpose, if you're trying to to grow in the knowledge and the grace of God, through a testimony. Come on. Y'all need to go and check out my buddy, Sam Collier. He is a pastor, a speaker, a writer, and a host of The Greater Story. A Greater Story is a podcast and also a TV show uh, that many of you need to go check out. Uh, He's a good buddy of mine, and I love this man to death. Uh, You will enjoy this episode. Let's get right into it. With no further ado, welcome my boy, Sam Collier, to the show. Let's go. Man, today I got my man Sam Collier. What's up, bro? Bro, I can't believe we did it. Here we go. <laughs> I remember, bro, when I first met you, man, just the joy you carried. But I, I was like, who is this brother up there talking? He's a <laughs> communicator, but he's so humorous and so full of life and passion, bro. I'm so glad you're on my show. And we it was just an instant connection outside of get rich or die trying 50 cent. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> hit you because of popular. I gotta pee. No, I'm not. I ain't gonna go there. But, uh, <laughs> good to see you, man. Uh, bro, I'm excited about your book coming out, man. And I know there was so much that happened even before the book. Uh, will you yeah. share your story, fam? I know your story has moved in thousands, if not millions of lives uh even on steve harvey's tv show uh which is wild i I really came to tears when i watched that it was beautiful but 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 share a little bit about your upbringing and your story fam 100 man like you said i'm so excited about that i don't know what to do i'm losing my mind a greater story get the book all right i'm done i'm done (laughs) listen um but it is about it is a greater story and it started, bro, when uh, my mother was 21. She had me and my twin sister, 
She had three kids already. So that's five kids age 21. Wow. And she was in extreme poverty, bro. And that's why I'm, I'm so excited to even talk to you because I know a lot of your story is wild as well in terms of the obstacles you overcame. And so I feel like you can identify. And so mother was 21 when she had us, extreme poverty, dad addicted uh, to crack, drugs, a lot of different uh, substances. And, you know, we, we lost him, my biological father, um, about three months ago from wow. COVID-19 um, in New York City. And what happened was he had diabetes. I've never met him. I've talked to him twice, which we'll, we'll get yeah. to that. Um, I've talked to him twice and he had diabetes and was in the hospital and left the hospital during uh, the height of COVID-19 in New York, walked down the street to get some drugs and contracted COVID-19, went wow. back to the hospital and died die, bro. Um, and so I, I only tell you that part of the story to let you know how, ho how hard of a hold drugs had on him. Mm. And so when he, when my mother was 21, he was holding drugs and, and rolled out. And so wow. here she is in the hospital by herself trying to figure out, do I raise these two twins, me and my twin sister in poverty, or do I give them up for adoption? And uh, she gives us up for adoption, bro. And we do get adopted by uh, a phenomenal middle-class um, black Christian family. Wow. Um, in Atlanta? Were they was, in Atlanta? With this, well, this is the yes and no. This, this, okay. The story kind of went like a year before they came to adopt us, bro, they were in Washington, D.C. And oh. they met... Yeah, my dad. Now, now, my dad, the one that adopted me, he is um, from Atlanta, born well, Pike County, really Griffin, Georgia. Chickens, cows, rutabagas. I don't know, you know. Uh, <laughs> well, not the last. I don't know one. if you I know about that. the rutabagas. Yeah, oh, okay. man, I'm missing. <laughs> <laughs> and so he, but he, but he was in the army and went up. I uh, ended up in D.C. And on a Sunday afternoon in the laundromat, this is the year before they came to get us. They met at 3 p.m. And my mother, the one that adopted us, um, she was in the laundromat because the night before on that Saturday, her ex-husband, now ex-husband, hit her in the head with the hammer. Wow. And yeah, bro. And so she got up Sunday morning and said, by any means necessary, I have to get out of this marriage. And she was getting ready to go kill him. And... Woo. She's walking around the laundromat looking crazy. You know what I mean? You know, when you're about to commit a yeah. crime, you be oh, like, Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. You focused. <laughs> no game. <laughs> she, she was looking crazy. And my dad saw her looking crazy and walked over to her and was like, What's up? You know, she's like, Get off me, you know. Yeah. And they, you know, and they pretty much, bro, they walk out of the laundromat and never look back. So wow. my mom goes through with the divorce. My dad goes through with his divorce. He's in his second, he was in his second marriage at the time and it just was dying. And they both were in the middle of these divorces. And then bro, they both, my mom and my dad give their life to Christ for the first Come time. Come on. My, you know what I'm saying? My dad was 50 when he married my mom, 50. And so 
after he married my mom and they and after they had given their life to Christ, bro, they they figure out they get married, they figure out um that my mother can't have kids. So they leave Washington, DC and come down to Augusta, Georgia, where we had just been given up for adoption two months prior. Mm. And it's crazy. They walk over to our crib and they look at me and my twin sister and they say, we want them. These are the kids. We want them. Seriously. Uh, and, and, and the lady who's running the adoption agency, bro, looks at them and says, I know this is your time to do it right. Just gave your life to Christ. My dad is 84 now. At the time, he was 50. So he was kind of in the last chapter, or at least moving towards the last chapter yeah. of the last season. And she said, you don't want them. They're probably not going to be much. Wow. Wow. Yeah, she's, she said, in fact. Boy, was uh, she wrong. Boy, <laughs> was she wrong. <laughs> she, said, <laughs> she said bro she said uh in fact they're probably going to be mentally challenged because of where they come from drugs prostitution my mom you know they trace some of my mom's steps back to a prostitution house don't know if she was prostituting or just living there and they said you know they're not going to be much and so my uh my parents formed what i call a prayer closet i don't know if you ever seen the movie war room Oh, yeah. Come on now. Priscilla Shire. Let's get it. Come on, baby. <laughs> you know, they formed their little, you know, their little war room, their little prayer closet in the middle yeah. of this adoption home. And Beautiful. they say the Lord tells them, no, they're going to be OK. These are your kids. Take them home. Mm. They adopt us, bro. In spite Beautiful. of what was said, in spite of the words spoken against us, in spite of the darkness, they took us. And long story short, bro, my sister got all A's from kindergarten up to 12th grade, became an wow. industrial engineer, grabbed from Spelman in Georgia Tech. Woo. She's killing. And I'm here, you know, start where yeah. you are, baby. You know what I'm saying? That's I'm on it. the podcast. <laughs> I done made it. Sam, you'd have been on way bigger platforms than this. Uh, GLS, you've been doing amazing things. Uh, Tell us a little bit about how did you go from, uh, you know, sort of being, how was that transition? You were under the ministry of, uh, what's his name? Uh, Bishop Long. Bishop Long, and then you transitioned over to Andy. Andy Tell Stanley. me a little bit about that season and how. what was your encounter with God and how did it propel you in the ministry, bro? Yeah, bro. It, that's a great question because that, that will lead us directly into this Steve Harvey moment where Steve kind of interjects into the story. And what happens, bro, um, I, I used to do music for a really long time. And I talk a lot about my musical years in the book and, and yeah. kind of just this, this process I went through. Well, you could sing, Sam. You could. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Don't do that. <laughs> now, don't you, think I won't hit you because I'm popular. <laughs> bro, I, uh, yeah, bro, for real. I mean, everybody in my family thought I was going to be the Christian version of Usher. Everybody. Come on. Bro, I had three record deals. I was working with Motown. I was working with Universal. I worked with some of the artists that were signed to Usher. And God one day asked me for music. Like, and the question was, 
would you give up your dream for my dream? Wow. And that's what I, 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 I write so much about kind of the tension of what that took in the book and how to do this and so on and so forth. Yeah. And, and, and it was it was hard to write um, because I just went back to that moment, bro. It was so emotional. It was so emotional. Mm-hmm. And um, I gave him I gave him my dream and I said, God, whatever you want me to do is what I'll do. And fast forward, that led me straight into ministry. Um, and, you know, with Bishop Long, now, I had met Bishop Long before that um, because I had given my life to Christ when I was around 16 and which I'll go into that story later, but that's in the book too. Yeah. And I meet Bishop Long and um, fast forward to this music stuff. And after the music stuff, I go pretty much end up back with Bishop Long and start my career kind of in ministry. And bro, I was there for about four or five years. And then, you know, at one time we were 25,000 members strong. And wow. then the scan- I know. And then the scandal breaks out. And mm. we dropped from 25,000 down to 3,000 in a year. Wow. And CNN was at the church every Sunday. There were four young men that came out and said some things and I grew up with them. And so I'm, I know them personally. I'm in the middle of my spiritual father and these three young men, four young men. I'm sorry. Wow. That were, that were my homies, like the home, yeah. like, it was like me and you, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. And, and so, bro, long story short, I stayed for a year into the scandal. The ministry dropped and it just kind of shifted directions. And I um, I rolled out and I almost um, it was very difficult to come back to Christianity. Uh, it was very difficult to believe in the church again. Mm. And a friend of mine said, you need to. You know, see about what Andy Stanley is doing down at North Point if you're trying to do ministry in an innovative way. And I had been taken in by actually a female pastor at the time who um, just kind of mothered me. That's why I always say you need mothers and fathers in the church. I always say. Yeah, it's good. You know, she mothered me back into my purpose and back into belief. And at the time I was, I became kind of an associate pastor, music minister at her ministry around 1500 members. And a friend of mine was like, you need to see about what North Point is doing. And so I walked in, bro. And I didn't even like, I'm black and you know, I'm black. You uh, black. Yeah. Like, we, hey. <laughs> <laughs> like it is what it is. So I walk in North Point. I didn't even know this world existed. And wow. so I always say it was like, I went to the Christian gap. It was white people everywhere, bro. (laughs) The Christian old Navy. You know what I'm saying? Like, it was just (laughs) the Christian old Navy. (laughs) And it was wild. I was like, I've never seen so many white people in one space, bro. And long story short, man, I'll speed up really quickly. But I started a nonprofit during that season, met a guy at North Point that became my first white friend ever in life. I started doing a lot of work with Martin Luther King's daughter also during that time. And I invited this guy who became my first white friend onto my board of directors because he worked at North Point. He said, man, I got to bring Andy Stanley down to see what you're doing. I said, well, if you bring Andy down, I need to bring MLK's daughter down, Bernice. And so I met Andy introducing him to MLK's daughter. And out of that space, bro, they start, you know, I pretty much started at North Point, started speaking, started hosting on Sundays and 
you know, five years later, I had been on every stage at North Point and it was awesome. But three years into that, um, my father who adopted us yeah. said to us, it's time for you to go find your biological family. Yeah. Yeah. Like, what? You know, I, he was like, well, you could grow up one day and marry your cousin and you would never know it. And I said, well, yeah. <laughs> that's that's true. <laughs> it's true. You're listening to the Converge Podcast Network. And now a message from a network supporter. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. This podcast is sponsored by Denison Ministries. Denison Ministries is a movement creating 7 million culture-changing Christians who are committed to carrying out the truths of the gospel to their sphere of influence through a variety of ways, which is why Denison Ministries is excited about sponsoring what God is up to in the Scriptures and Stories podcast. One of the cool ways Denison Ministries helps Christians feel closer to God is through their First 15 devotional. First 15 is designed to help you spend 15 minutes, your first 15 minutes of your day experiencing God through meaningful devotional scripture, worship, and prayer. Grow closer to God this year. You can sign up for First 15 email devotionals sent directly to you every single day through your inbox at first15.org slash subscribe. To start your day off with First 15 devotional podcast anywhere you listen. Let's go. Bro, Sam, I got a question for you because I, I want to ask you this as well. Like, so there's concepts in my book, Start Where You Are, how God meets us in our mess, yeah. how he loves us through it and how he leads us out of it. Now, when does it become real that someone can have a greater story whenever, you know, they don't, I mean, they don't feel like they can have a greater story. Like they feel like, you know, this is the worst year of my life. I'm going through so much. So I would like to uh, hear your perspective and like sort of share with them how they can have a greater story, no matter how their story looks right now. And how does it connect with God's story? Because I love that theme of your book. When your story connects to God's story, it leads to a greater story. Yeah, like, so, bro. so share with them that, bro. Yeah, Eat them bro. where and, they are. <laughs> yeah, I love it. I, I, I think that, you know, a, a lot of the understanding around a greater story came after the Steve Harvey show for me. Um, as you, and, and what, you know, kind of my, after my dad says this thing, he basically prophesied that Steve Harvey is going to help us find our parents. And we end up going on the show and, um, they told us they didn't find anybody. And then they say, we're just kidding. Your biological mother's here. And our biological mother walks out and we wow. met her for the first time after 25 years. And so out of that, bro, people, when you, you talk about you watching the clip and all of that, I started telling this story all around the country 
Um, just and I just we just told it at Hillsong Australia, and oh, yeah, people, I've seen that. bro, it was insane. And I, one of the things that I explain when it comes to a greater story, because that's where it all started after this moment, and I was able to see full circle how God rewrote our story in the midst of the confusion and of the calamity. And I think, bro, when it comes to someone's story connecting with his in the moment, I, t- I have to go to Jesus in the boat with the disciples. Mm. Okay. And the disciples are riding and a storm breaks out. And you know the story. Jesus yeah. goes to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> so true. Jesus is in, listen, Jesus is asleep in the middle of the storm. Come on. And <laughs> don't gas me, bro. Don't gas me. <laughs> I won't be able to take it out. I'll shout right through this podcast, baby. Let's be go. <laughs> Jesus is asleep in the midst of the storm and the disciples are freaking out and they wake up Jesus in a, in a panic. And they pretty much say, Jesus saved me. Wow. And listen to what Jesus says. And this is for everybody out there that's in the middle of a hard moment in the middle of a hard season. No, before we, before I tell you what he says, let's see what he doesn't say. He doesn't say, uh, how are you? Mm. He doesn't say it's going to be okay. Mm. He doesn't say, I'm with you. Here's what he says. Where's your faith? Wow. Ye of little faith. Oh, King, James, King James Version. <laughs> <laughs> Give it to me. Oh, ye of, of little faith. Right, right. He's, he's, yeah. he, his response to them in the middle of a crazy storm is, Oh, yeah, little faith. Where is your faith? Yeah, yeah, bro. And so when we talk about the idea of how to connect our story to God's story, we have to understand that God, that Jesus's priority in that moment was that we would have faith because he understood that out of faith comes everything else. Yes. Wow. So I think if people can have faith, in the middle of this season, yeah. um, there that's the first step to connecting their story to God's story and it yeah. leads to a greater story. That's think, amazing. Yeah. I can that's keep going, bro, but y- y- you got something? Man, I'm just saying, like, your story is, is clear about that. If it wasn't for, you know, your uh, step-parents coming in and getting you guys, you know— and give me all that hope that, you know, you belong, you accept it, and also point you deeper into your walk with God, your faith. You know, your faith probably wouldn't have been there like it was. I mean, no, who's we, to say? We wouldn't have had it. Yeah. Yeah. And, and and same with me. If I wasn't shot down, left for dead, and God answered my cry in that low, dark moment, my faith wouldn't have been there. So it's I love that concept, bro. I love how, yeah, it's faith. It's faith. faith so is the first step to the miraculous. Wow. And a greater story, the idea of a greater story is that God wants to do the miraculous in all of our lives. 
he wants to leverage our lives to change people and 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 and, mm. and to change this world. See, and, and always what I've been saying lately is um, how you view God will determine how you live life. Say that again. That was so nice. You got to say it twice. Okay. <laughs> I said how you view God will determine how you live life. And, and and let me let me break it down a little bit further. You can be following God, but if you don't have the proper view of God, then your life will not become what you want it to become. And so many of us are living lower than what God has for us. And this isn't the prosperity gospel. This is the promise that he gives us that we would have life and have it more abundantly. And what that looks yeah. like in the now is it doesn't mean that we would have a life without challenge. It doesn't yeah. mean that we would have a life without persecution. It doesn't mean that we would have a life without trouble. It means that we would have a life and have it more abundantly. That in Come the on. Pre- and that, that in the presence of the trouble, one, he'll give us the strength to make it through the hard times, but Come then he'll on. also use the hard times to make the world better. So I there love that. Great thing. It, it is possible to be overcoming obstacles and doing great things at the same time. At the same, simultaneously. Simultaneously. And that's the life of the apostles. I think when we think about the apostles, I mean, Paul's in jail. Yeah. And he's writing the majority of the New Testament. (laughs) Wow, right? Wow. (laughs) It is possible to be balancing obstacles and challenges and also doing something to change the world. And I think yeah. we have so many people just surrendering and, and succumbing and succumbing to the challenges, and that's it. They don't ever pursue the great thing. Come on. Come on, Sam. That that's You're hitting it right on. You're hitting it right on. And I want you to transition just a little bit, bro. So what was that sort of moment, you know, after Steve Harvey and you, you didn't really share it. What led to that? I wanted to ask you that. What led to that moment for, for, for uh, you and your sister being on that stage? Like what sort yeah, of led up bro, to that? Man, it was my father, man. He, like I said, he had these, you know, the, these moments where he's like, God, you know, uh, it's time for you to go find your, uh, biological family. And then he says to us, because my dad had a barbershop down on Auburn, and he would watch the Steve Harvey show every day in the barbershop. Gotcha. And so he told us that God told him that Steve Harvey was going to help us find our parents. <laughs> what? Bro, wow. it was it was insane. I was like, this man has lost his mind. Right? I mean, <laughs> yeah. He said, he talked about I'm like, Dad, you don't even know Steve Harvey, but it he didn't it didn't matter. He said the Lord told him wow. that this was gonna happen. So he convinces my sister to write into the show. And I asked my sister why she did it, because I don't even think she wanted to go on. And she was like, Well, they're not gonna write us back, right? Like Ellen's not yeah. gonna write you back. I just got him to be quiet. So a whole year goes by, and there's a producer that leaves the Jerry Springer show. <laughs> and she yeah. starts working for the Steve Harvey show. And on her first week on the job, a year after my sister writes in, our story is the top story on her desk. What? Only and God. Timing. Only God. And she called me 
Dorothy, her name, the producer, she called my sister first, and then she called me. She said, this is my first week on the job. Got your story. I think we can help you find your parents. Do you want to do it? Mm. And um, I said, let me call you back. I called my sister. I said, do you want to do it? She says, no, but I feel like we have to do it. When does yeah. this happen? God, this is God. And so we go on the show, bro, and they tell us we didn't find anyone. They hired a private detective, but they wanted to bring us on the show to make a plea that hopefully one day our biological family would show up. And so we, we went on the show. They did the first segment. Then it went to commercial break. After okay. commercial break, Steve Harvey comes back and says, hey, I know I told you we didn't find anyone, but that's not the case. Mm. Eleanor, come on out. And so that's, that's how, oh, how it that was powerful. So I wish we could play the clip right now, boy. <laughs> I love it. Praise God. So there's this beautiful theme. Number one, you know, um, God met y'all in your mess. He loved y'all through it. Now, what was the leading out? You know, and to this greater story after that, wh what does it look like now in your life, bro? And what are you sort of doing to use that megaphone and platform you have now to, to help spread this story in a true and real way. I think there's someone out there that just needs that hope, man. Yeah, man. I think that from our story, um, I learned a lot about how God works. And mm. I knew a lot about how he worked already. But I think just looking at my story, I saw how he is able to take a mess and turn it into a miracle. And the yes. reality is he wants he wants to do that for us all, but it may not look like we think it's supposed to look. But if we let him move in our lives, he will shape it. Because some yeah. people would say, you know, when people think about adoption, they think about abandonment first. Mm. They go, your mother left you, right? Your dad left you, so on and so forth. Um, but something that God was doing that was different than just abandonment was and was interrupting our bloodline. Wow. And I found that out later because I discovered that all of the men in my family were either dead in prison or selling drugs, except for my brother. All the men, my, my, my grandfather died in prison four years ago, double life sentence for killing two people. Wow. And so my my other my my brother that uh, I met on the show told me I know you feel like you may have missed out on something but you didn't. Um, there were moments we were so hungry we we didn't eat for in four days at a time. Man. And so he said, I know you feel you may feel abandoned, but you weren't abandoned. You were rescued. Mm. Now, somebody can look at the story and instantly go, Well, your mother left you. That's horrible. Or they can go. God interrupted your bloodline. That's good. That's good. And, and so the biggest thing for me to understand is that God's ways are not our ways and his plans are not our plans. And he's going to do it the way he wants to do it. The question is, is do we trust that he does have a plan and that he will actually do it? And I think that in this season of COVID-19 all around our world today, we have to, we have to believe that he does have a plan. And it may not look like what we want it to look like. It may not move the way we want it to move. But if we continue to follow him, and here's the big point, have faith and put work behind our faith. 
That's the big part. They say faith without works is dead. And so many people just have faith, but they're not working it. They're not, in other words, I call it playing mm. offense. They're wow. not playing offense. They're just playing defense. They're just managing the challenges. Like, oh my gosh, COVID-19 is happening. Life is over. I'm never going to yeah. work again. And it's like, you cannot just stay at the management of the challenge. You have to manage the challenge, but then you also have to, come on, woo! Work yeah. your faith. You got to work your faith. In other words, you got to start a new business. You got to apply it. for the new job. You got to wow. reach out. You got to do on. what you have to do to work your faith. And here's what I know. Come on. Because God is a God that loves us and is for us, he will always meet us at us working our faith. Woo. Come on, Sam. He will meet many people just go, well, God didn't do anything, but are you working your faith? That's it, bro. That's because it. That's a word. Me and you both know every time we work our faith, it's not that we're special, more special than anybody else. It's that we just work our faith and God meets us. Exactly. Right where we are. Come on, Sam. I want to get I want to okay, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs> so I want I want to ask you, like, who would you say specifically? Uh, this book is for, uh, there's so many people listening in right now, you know, all ages, you know, from different walks of life, different economical status, you know, all types of stuff. Who would you say this book is for? And I would encourage everybody to jump on it. Just your story alone, connecting the gospel, that testimony is amazing. But who would you say, like, cause someone may have a relative that they want to pass this book to that may have a similar story to yours that will help them be rescued and sort of have their story rewritten. But I want to hear from your yeah. mouth, brother. Who is this book for, Sam? Yeah, but I would say it's for three people. It, okay. One is for, it's for the person that needs God to turn their mess into a miracle. That needs God to turn their mess into a message. Mm. It's for that person that's going... I came from nothing. I'm in nothing. This is crazy. God can't do anything with me. How am I ever going to get out of this? Wow. And then for many of us, that might be where we are in COVID-19, right? It's like, yeah. I'm in a mess. It's for anyone that wants God to take their mess and turn it into a miracle because he will do it if you lean on him. He waits for opportunities to blow our minds. It's not the prosperity gospel. It's him doing and fulfilling the promises that he said. He said yeah. that he would be with us. He said that he would provide. He said that he would make a way. He will yeah. take the mess and turn it into a miracle if we run after him. So that's the if first If we group. run after him. Yeah. That's so big. The second group is for, is for anyone who's trying to understand what it's like to grow up black in America. Mm. Mm. That's really big. And not just in America, but maybe even black around the world. We know we're just coming out of the what I call the movement of the liberation of black and brown people all around our world, right? Um, true, People true. are moving, they're doing stuff. And I have a ton of white friends and a ton of friends in general just going, help me understand. Well, a third of the book, I walk you through what, it, what it's like to grow up on Auburn Avenue where Martin Luther King Jr. grew up and, and to be around all these civil rights icons at a young age and to be friends with the daughter of Martin Luther King. If you want to understand that, it's for you. The last group and the biggest group, this is the biggest group, it's for anyone who is wanting to live 
in a greater story. Anyone that desires for God um, to help them accomplish their purpose. I have two chapters, bro, in the book just on helping people discover their God-given purpose. Yeah, yeah. That's so good. I would say it's for those three, bro. Love that. Love that, Sam. I want you to, to, to close out with this, bro. We need three practical steps, my man. Three steps to sort of, you know, not only starting where we are, but, you know, taking our story and connecting it to God's. What would you say right now? Something, maybe it's journaling, maybe it's praying. <laughs> Just let us know three practical things right now we can do and even, yeah, even get a draw from your book as well uh, to move forward right now, right where we are. Yeah, I mean, I think the first thing I'll say is start where you are, right? That's it, bro. Start right where you are. And for you, I don't know what kind of lifestyle you're living, but for you, it might just be as simple as getting a new friend. Mm. It might be as simple as, you know what, I don't pray enough. Let me Let me pray a little bit more. And let me get along with God and... Let him talk to me. And I would say that. Start right where you are. If whatever, what's one thing that you can do right now that's just around you, whether you're in Wyoming or whether you're in DC or whether you're yeah. in South Africa or even Australia, whatever is around you, there is a way for you to get closer to God right that's there. Good. And it might be just getting off of this interview and praying, God, that's talk it. to me. That's Show it. me the way. It might just be reading. The, the, the scripture about uh, Jesus being in the boat in the storm. So praying, reading, getting a new friend. Here's the second thing that's extremely practical and will probably have the most impact on you um, than anything. Get a mentor. Mm. Get a mentor. In other words, find someone that is like what you want to become. Wow. And I would even say find someone that's what you like to become, but but someone that's following God, a God mentor that you find and you go, you know what? I I want my life to look like theirs. Find that's them. Good, Maybe it's in that's your good. in your local community. You know what I'm saying? It's it's a, it's a pastor. It's a small group leader. It's somebody in the family. Somebody that you know is living for God and doing great things. Get them in your life and, and chase them down. You may go, well, I, I can't, they, they're not going to make time for me. You have to make <laughs> them make time. Come on. I have, every, mentor, every mentor I have had in my life, bro, I've chased down. I told one, I said, I will cut your grass every day if you will mentor me, if you will be around me, if you will teach me. And they said, no, 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 no. You don't have to cut my grass. The fact that you are so passionate about it, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to mentor you. That's simple. That's simple. It's Love that. Simple. Intentional. And yeah. Last but not least, get the book. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> hey, it's that simple. That's the last practical well, step. And, and the reason story. I say that is because we outline everything in here that you need. Like, I mean, step by step. Here's how you accomplish purpose. Here's how you get rid of bad people in your life. Here's how you understand God. I mean, you know, bro, writing a book is hard, bro. Oh, boy. It's so strenuous, right? It's something. Like, so it took me three years to do this. 
and I put everything I have in this, and it will help you. It is very practical. So that's it, bro. And then keep awesome. listening to Rashawn Copeland, baby. Come on. <laughs> hey, shout out to Sam. Man, love you, bro. So so encouraged by you, your life, and ministry. I look forward to much more. I'm going to grab that book ASAP. Okay. I already pre-ordered it, but I, I'm looking for it. Is it going to be in the stores? I don't know, bro. I think yeah, that's what I, was I know it's to in Amazon.com. Yeah. I know it's Amazon.com, Target.com, BarnesandNoble.com. Oh, so. Okay. Good deal, bro. So, yeah, let everybody know where they can find you and also find the books. You already got a little bit into that, but go ahead and, yeah, come on, shoot your shot. <laughs> no. shoot, look, <laughs> look, you can buy the book on Amazon.com, Target.com, BarnesandNoble.com, Lifeway.com. Or for all information, including the book, go to agreaterstory.org, not .com, agreaterstory.org, and you can find me, my podcast, the book, and everything else you need. Love it. Yeah, yeah, I've got to check out his podcast. It's amazing. You'll be blown away by some of the guests he got on there. Thanks thanks so much, Sam. I appreciate you, bro. And uh, yeah, love you and so encouraged by you. Guys, start where you are. And God will take you where you need to be. for listening to Scriptures and Stories with Rashawn Copeland. For more information about this show, visit ConvergePodcastNetwork.com. This show is part of the Converge Podcast Network. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.